Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Before I get into my message, I want to remind you that several years ago I preached a message titled, What About Political Prophecies? And of course we're in a presidential election year and so no doubt there's going to be a lot of political prophecies that are going to be floating around and those often bring so much confusion to the body of Christ that uh, uh, the Lord had me several years ago preach a message about that subject and uh, it's available for you. It's in the description section of this message. If you just go there and click on, on the link, um, it'll take you to that message. Now, it's audio only, but I would recommend that you listen to it. I think it would be very helpful to you. Uh, as as we approach or as, as we're in actually this pr presidential season, uh, it, it will be very helpful to you. So it's there for you. And, and again, remember, it's in audio only. So there's just there's just a picture of me there, the American flag off to the side. And but I won't be moving around like I am here. <laughs> it's just a picture of me. And then the message. And I recommend that you don't just sit there and look at the picture of me for the you know the whole time that's playing. I'm joking around with you. <laughs> you got better things to do than to look at a picture of me for an hour. But uh, but you can have it playing, you know, while you're doing something else. And anyway, I think that that message, what about political prophecies, would be a blessing to you. Okay, let's get into the message for today. Because uh, you know, this Today, this, this Sunday, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And the Super Bowl is Super Bowl Sunday because of the big football game. The Super Bowl is, uh, is, is today. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs against the, I think it's the 49ers, are playing in Las Vegas. And, uh, uh, and so Super Bowl Sunday. And, and of course... Uh, there's going to be, you know, after the, the game, there will be parties before the game, during the game, after the game. And uh, then, of course, there'll no doubt probably be a parade in the town of whichever team wins. And, and, and so that's, you know, a lot of folks get all excited about that. And, and I'll admit, I watch it. I enjoy it. I'm personally rooting for the Chiefs. I, I, uh, I you know, I, I like their quarterback. I like him, Mahomes. Don't know much about it, but I know I, I like him. And uh, and you know what? I've learned quite a bit about Taylor Swift through all of this. I didn't know hardly anything about her before, but I've learned some things about her. So uh, and, and so I know more about her now than I ever have before. So anyway, but hey, and, and I enjoy all of that. The important thing is, as I pastored, pastored, you know, for all these years, the important thing is, is, you know, enjoy that and all of that, Super Bowl, etc. Taylor Swift, enjoy all that. But just don't put that ahead of Jesus. Don't don't ever let that those things, whether it's a football, baseball, golf, tennis, whatever it is, don't ever let any of those things or anything become more important to you than Jesus. In other words, don't get more excited about the Super Bowl than you do Jesus, okay? <laughs> so I have to tell this story. Many years ago, uh, the Rams, uh, they, they were making their run to the Super Bowl. 
And, and you know, the people in, in my church, I mean, they were just so excited about that. And, and I was too. I mean, yeah, I mean I, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about that. But, but folks were getting, and not just in my church, but in the city of St. Louis, the the, the you know the Christians in the in in the city of St. Louis were getting so I mean they were getting more they were more excited about the Super Bowl and and all of that and the, and the Rams and the Rams they were more excited about the Rams than they were the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and and so I got up one Sunday and the Holy Spirit dealt with my heart just as I'm standing there in the pulpit just like I'm standing here. And he instructed me right on the inside. He said, tell the people that a lamb died on Calvary for them, not a ram. <laughs> so I, I obeyed the Holy Ghost. I said that. And uh, you could hear the air just suck out of the room. And that's one of the few times over the years I felt like the people wanted to take me out back and throw me off the brow of the hill, stone me, whatever. <laughs> I was... <laughs> But, uh, but you know, it's true. A lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. And so I was not the most popular preacher in St. Louis when I made that statement. But all the years come and go. And eventually the rams left St. Louis. And the same people that were so excited about the rams at one point, when the rams left St. Louis, I think they went out to California, those same people that were so excited about the rams... <laughs> When they left St. Louis, those same people wanted to, they wanted to do to the Rams what they wanted to do to me when I made that statement that I just told you about. And they wanted to stone the Rams and get them. And, and then I was able to stand there in the pulpit and I was able to tell those same people, well, remember this, I said, you know, Jesus, the Lamb of God will never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> but the Rams did. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to say that. He did tell me to say the first, the first, the first statement. I, you know, about uh, a, a lamb died, not a ram. But I, I had to make that last statement. You know, about the the lamb will never leave you nor forsake you, but the rams will. <laughs> had to stickle some folks a little bit there. You know. Anyway, hey, enjoy all of all the Super Bowl. Just don't let it become more important to you than Jesus. Now I could stop right there, and that's kind of a message in and of itself. A message on idolatry, I guess, uh, avoiding idolatry. But hey, what I want to talk about today is the real Super Sunday. The real Super Sunday. The real Super Sunday happened some 2,000 years ago. Jesus, the Lord of glory, he had been crucified. And and he was crucified. If you study the Bible and, and look at it, he was crucified on a Wednesday, not on a Friday on a Wednesday, because his body was in the tomb three days and three nights. Now, small wars have been fought over, did he die on the cross on a Wednesday or a Friday? The important thing is, now when I was younger, I'd argue that with people for hours. <laughs> I'm not arguing about that no more. He died on a Wednesday, but you know what? Whether it was a Wednesday or a Friday, the important thing is, is that he died on the cross, okay? But he had, he had been crucified some 2,000 years ago. He had died on the cross and his dead body had laid in the tomb for three days and three nights. Now we're talking about the real Super Sunday today. Now that's the, that's the, the, that's what this message is about. What happened on the real Super Sunday? 
But I have to lay you some groundwork before we can get to that. So Jesus had been crucified. Look at Luke 24, Luke 24, verse 1. It says, now on the first day of the week, now that's Sunday. Now that's not Monday. Monday is the first day of the work week, but, but Sunday is the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So they came to the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, you know, that was his tomb, the rich man, you know, and, and he, that's where Jesus's body was, was laid after he died on the cross. And now on Sunday, very early in the morning, these women are making their way to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Uh, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, of course, these are angels. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He, that's Jesus, is not here, but is risen. Glory to God. Now, <laughs> on the real super Sunday, Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's what I want to talk about here uh, in this message to show you just how wonderful that event was. It outdoes all the Super Bowls that there's ever been put together and it outdoes everything else. The real Super Sunday is not when the football game is played. It's when Jesus was raised from the dead. So that's what we're going to talk about here. Now, of course, if you look at Luke 23... Verse 46, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, uh, he cried out with a loud voice. Luke 23, 46, he cries out with a loud voice and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, John's account said he gave up his spirit, or we could say that his spirit left his body. Jesus' spirit left his body, his body died, okay? And we know that his body was placed in the tomb. We just talked about that, the tomb where the ladies went to, you know, were going on early on that Sunday morning. He was placed in the tomb, and of course the tomb was sealed off and, and guards were set so that the disciples, you know, they didn't want, the, the authorities of that of that time didn't want, you know, uh, they wanted his Jesus's body uh, uh, protected, that tomb protected, so that you know they, they said so that the disciples couldn't come, you know, it, you know, and steal his body out and so forth, and then you know say that Jesus was raised from the dead and 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 have a you know just have a hoax there and all of that, and so to prevent that from happening, there was a uh, Jesus's body was put in the tomb. And it was a large stone was put in front of it, and and, and a guard was set, and and you know to to be sure that no one came and and did anything with his body. So his body's clearly his dead body, dead body, his dead body's in the tomb. Okay, that's where and it's sealed off and guarded. That's where his body is, his dead body, in the tomb. Jesus died on the cross. His spirit leaves his body. His body's in the tomb, but he, but his spirit left his body. Now, we need to understand where his spirit went. And very few ministers want to address this. Some do, most don't. It is uh, controversial, 
but it shouldn't be because the Bible tells us exactly where his spirit went. And, and, let, and to, to get the fullness of what happened on the real Super Sunday when he was raised from the dead, you have to understand, you need to understand where his spirit went. So many people, they just want to deal with the, the physical side of, of, the of the death on the cross and the resurrection. And, and that's good. We need to, to look at that. But unfortunately, that's the only side typically that ever gets looked at. There were things going on in the spiritual realm that you need to know about. The Bible addresses, yet so few ministers talk about it. It is controversial, but it, it shouldn't be because the Bible is very clear on where his spirit went. And you need to know that to really, as I said, to understand what happened on the real Super Sunday. So his spirit leaves his body. His body, dead body, goes in that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea where no one else had ever been laid. That's where his body is. But where did his spirit go? Well, uh, and so I want to talk about that. Now, I do want to say this. When, when you get into this subject about talking about where Jesus' spirit went and talking about the events of the resurrection, I, I, I need to say this, that, that you know, uh, because... When people start, when ministers do start talking about the, the, the resurrection, a lot of times those ministers will be accused of not preaching the cross enough. <laughs> Look, I preach the cross. I'm a preacher of the cross, the cross of Christ. We cannot overemphasize the importance of the cross of Christ. Absolutely. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree or on the the cross. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay? So, I mean, we need to emphasize the cross. And I do emphasize the cross. And I could preach you messages and have preached you hours of words of hours long messages on what happened on the cross, the importance of the cross. Absolutely. And, and, and really, you need to talk about the importance of the, the, uh, the virgin birth. Jesus needed to be born of the virgin. Absolutely. For him to be sinless and bypass the sin nature, that needs to be emphasized. And I've done that so much over the years, the importance of the virgin birth. And I, I do that sometimes at Christmas time. I emphasize that. And then, and then we need to emphasize Jesus' sinless life. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he never sinned. And that was important because had he sinned one time, then, then, then he would have become tainted and he would not have been a qualified sacrifice had he sinned just one time. He never sinned. And that needs to be stressed. His death on the cross and, and, and his shedding of this sinless blood. All these things must be emphasized and preached. Absolutely. But we must also preach the cross, the, uh, the resurrection, not just the cross, but we also must preach the resurrection. I think of one minister, not here to be critical, but all he ever does is preach the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. And he's a good minister and you can't really overemphasize it. But I heard uh, another good minister say, <laughs> Brother Hagen said this. He said, he said, ministers that Kenneth E. Hagen, he, and I got a lot of respect for him. He said this. He said, he said, ministers that, that all they do is, all they do is preach the cross. 
They tend to be cross with everybody. And you know this minister, he's on television yet today. That all he, he the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. And you know he's cross with just about everybody. Like Brother Hagin said, he's criticizing this minister and this ministry. Sometimes you think he's the only one. Uh, this minister that's still on television today, sometimes you think he's the only one that can do it right. And Brother Hagin made a good statement about, you know, people that all they do is preach the cross. They tend to be cross with everybody. Hey, we need to preach the virgin birth. We need to preach the sinless life. We need of Jesus. We need to preach the, the cross and his death on the cross and what he did there. And, and we need to preach on the resurrection. And that's what I'm doing here today. So don't tell me that I don't preach the cross because today I'm preaching on the resurrection, okay? So that's what happened on the real Super Sunday was the resurrection. The crucifixion was on a Wednesday. And if you want to say it's on a Friday, well, that's fine, but it was on a Wednesday. The important thing is, is that he died, not, not the day it happened, but Wednesday, Friday. But hey, but today we're talking about the resurrection. Glory to God. Now, so this message is about his resurrection the real Super Sunday, to understand these events, let's see where his spirit went. We know his spirit left his body. Body's dead in the tomb, but where did his spirit go? And this is where sometimes it gets controversial for people, but let's let the Bible clear up the controversy. Look at Matthew 12, verse 40. Matthew 12, 40. Jesus himself said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, speaking, he was speaking of himself, Jesus was speaking of himself. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, that's not the... Uh, studying that word heart there, that is not the tomb where his body was. The heart there means the inner workings, the innermost part of. And, and in the innermost part of the earth, over in the spirit realm, uh, uh, that's where a place is known as Hades. H-A-D-E-S in the Greek, Hades, all right? And that's a simple definition of that is place of departed spirits. And, and we'll see as we go that Jesus' spirit went to Hades, place of departed spirits. And we'll see as we go that there was a place there of comfort known as paradise or Abraham's bosom. And there was a great gulf fixed, and then on the other, great gulf being a big valley. And then on the other side, there is a place of torment. Now, we're going to let the Bible pinpoint right where Jesus' spirit went. So let's go on here. But we know at this point that Jesus' spirit was in the inner workings of the earth. All right. And we'll see in Hades, the place of departed spirits, was in the inner workings of the earth. For three days and three nights. His body was in the tomb for those three days and three nights. But heart here doesn't mean tomb because that's up on the earth. He was in the, his, he's talking about his spirit being in the inner workings of the earth over in the spiritual realm. And so you need to understand that. Now, it, is also, it can also be noted that in John 20 verse 17, after Jesus was raised from the dead, after the, 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 the stone was rolled away from the, the tomb and Jesus walked out alive and well, okay? Remember, Mary came up to him and wanted to touch him. And he said, in John twenty seventeen, he said, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Now, he committed his spirit into the hands of the Father before he died on the cross, but now 
three days later, three days, three nights later, after he comes out of that tomb alive and well, Mary wants, you know, she's going to come and, you know, probably grab a hold of his feet and worship him and, and all of that. And he said, don't touch me. And this was keeping in, in step with the, the Old Testament types, which I'm not going to get into right now. But he said, touch me not. And then he says, for I am not yet ascended to my father. So we learn here that his, he had not yet ascended up to the father. A lot of people think that when Jesus died on the cross, that his spirit went up back up into heaven, but it did not, as we'll see from the Bible. He already said he'd be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, inner workings of the earth. Well, that's not up in heaven where the father is. And then we see after he is raised from the dead, he tells Mary, I haven't gone up yet. I hadn't gone up there yet. Okay, so where did his spirit go? Well, look at Luke 16. Luke 16, we're going to read several verses here. uh, And this will help you because it will give you the, uh, Jesus himself gives us the description of the uh, of the inner uh, of, of the inner of Hades, if you will, the Greek word Hades, the inner workings of the earth in the spirit realm. Let's read this. There, this is Luke sixteen nineteen. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. This is also known as paradise. The rich man also died and was buried. So both these guys, the beggar and the rich man died. Their bodies are on the earth, but their spirits go down into this underworld, Hades, place of departed spirits. Now, notice here um, that, that the beggar, he went to, he was carried by the angels, his spirit, not his body, his spirit, the real him, if you will. You see, the real me is a spirit being. I possess a soul, live in a physical body, just like you. And so this beggar, he was, he died. His body's on the earth, but his spirit is carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now it's also known as paradise, and uh, and it is a place of comfort, as we'll see. But then you see, the rich man also died. His body is buried up on the earth, and being in torments in Hades, in Hades in Hades. See, so, so he's in the place, he's in Hades. All right. The whole place was known as Hades, the entire underworld. But as you get in and you look at it, you study it, you see that there were two compartments. One compartment was a place of comfort that was known as paradise or Abraham's bosom. We'll see here there's a great gulf fixed, as we'll read on here and see it. And then on the other side, there was a place of torment, and that's, that's known as, as hell. Hell. And, and, and it's, it's important that you understand this. Now look at, look at Luke 16, verse 23, and being in torments in Hades. Now this word Hades, while Hades does mean the entire underworld, it does mean the place of departed spirits, but you really need to underline this word Hades and look at the, at the Strong's Concordance. Now, in the King James Version, this word is translated hell. In the New King James Version, it's translated Hades. But it's interesting, if you study it in the Strong's Concordance, it's Strong's number 86, this place where this rich man went, that's translated hell in the King James, translated Hades in the New King James, but it's always used as the place in the New Testament, this word, 
This Strong's 86, translated hell in the King James, Hades in the New King James, but it's always used as the place of torment. So again, the word Hades, generally speaking, if you look it up in Bible dictionaries and whatnot, it'll say place of departed spirits. But you need to realize for human beings, there's, a, there's another holding tank in the inner part of the earth known as Tartarus. That's for fallen angels. We'll not talk about that now. But there were two places. There was, in one sense, all of it was known as Hades. But if you get in and study it more specifically from the Bible, the one holding tank in the inner part of the earth was a place of comfort known as paradise or Abraham's bosom, the great cavern or gulf or valley fixed in between the two where you couldn't pass from one side to the other. And then that other side is a place of torment. And the King James translates, it's Strong's number 86, it's Hades, but the the King James translates it hell, New King James, Hades. But but it's always used in the New Testament as a place of this, this, this number here, number 86, this word Hades, always used as a place of torment. Now, you, it's going to come into play later as we go along to locate where Jesus' spirit went. So look at here. This, this rich man was in torments in Hades. He lifted up his eyes, saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So that's Abraham's bosom, also known as paradise. Then he cried out, this rich man who's in this place of torment cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented in this flames. He's the place of torment. Abraham said, son, remember in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted, you're tormented. See, so the, the beggar was Lazarus. He was in a place of comfort, paradise, Abraham's bosom. But this rich man, he's over in, in, in this Strong's number 86, Hell, Hades, hell, place of torment. And besides all this, between us and you, there's that great gulf fixed, like a big, big cavern, a big valley. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, or those that want to pass it, so they couldn't pass back and forth. And, and, and just let me throw this in. If you read on in this story, you'll see that the reason the rich man was in the place of torment was because he didn't listen to Moses and the prophets. And Moses and the prophets preach Jesus. And so this rich man did not listen to Moses and the prophets. If you read on, you'll see that. He didn't listen to Moses and the prophets. He didn't have time for Jesus when he was alive on the earth. No doubt, in my mind, he was distracted by his money. It's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that because they get distracted by their money. They trust in their money. And it's not wrong to have money, but it's wrong to trust in it. And and if you serve God, he'll He'll bless you financially. But but you start trusting in, your, in money. That's bad. And, and, and this rich man, no doubt, trusted in his money, was distracted by his money, never put put his faith in Jesus, who Moses and the prophets preach. And that's why he's in He's in hell. Abraham, he was one of the richest men that that ever lived. Not the richest, but one of. And he's in the place of comfort because he believed God, the Bible said. He believed, you study it out, he believed believed the gospel. He believed on Jesus. Yeah, he was looking forward to the cross, believed God, and it was accounted him for righteousness. He's in the place of comfort, just like the beggar. That's the reason the beggar was in the place of comfort. He had time for Moses and the prophets, but this, this this rich guy didn't. See, so it wasn't the money that put him there. It, it was because he didn't trust in Jesus, but no doubt he was distracted. 
I think by his money and he trusted in his money instead of uh, what Moses and the prophets were preaching, who is Jesus. He didn't trust in Jesus and that's what put him in hell. Okay, but for the sake of this message, you need to understand the inner workings of the earth and I, in the spirit realm. And I think I've done a pretty decent job here explaining to you Luke 16 of what, what, what was going on down there. You had the place of comfort, the great gulf, and then the place of torment. Now, the big question then is, because we're talking about the events of the real Super Sunday, where did Jesus' spirit go? And this is where the real controversy comes in because, you know, people just don't want to talk about it. But it's let's look and see. Where did Jesus' spirit go? Did his spirit go to the place of comfort? Or did his spirit go to the place of torment? Well, let's find that out. Look at Acts 2, verse 26. 2, verse 26. Acts 2, 26. Therefore, my heart rejoiced. Now, this is Luke writing this. And, and I believe Peter's quoting this. And he's quoting from uh, uh, the Psalms written by David under a prophetic anointing. When you get, get, get through all that and understand that, it's very simple. If you think about it, Luke's writing this. <laughs> Holy Ghost has Luke writing this. And I believe Peter's doing the talking here. And he's quoting David, who King David, who under a prophetic anointing was speaking and telling us what Jesus would be saying during the time that he died on the cross and that he was buried in, in all of this and, it, and his spirit went into the inner workings of the earth, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Now, it's talking about his flesh, Jesus's flesh resting in hope. Where? In, in, in the tomb. In hope of what? In hope of the resurrection. For you will not... Now, this is what Jesus is saying while he's while he's dead. Watch this. You will not leave my soul in Hades. So you say, well, that's the place of departed spirits. Well, yes, it is. But specifically, is it the comfort side or is it the torment side of the underworld? And it is, again, Strong's number 86, which is always used in the New Testament as the place of torment. That's where Jesus' spirit went. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Study it for yourself. That's where he went. You'll not leave my soul in. King James says hell. New King James says Hades. But you study into it. And, and both are both are correct. Hell is the, the English rendering of, uh, of this word. The way King James renders it is hell. But Hades. But it's Strong's number 86, which is always always, always used as a place of torment. That's where Jesus' spirit went. Now, I'll give you more, but for right now. He said, uh, so what did he say? My soul, he said, you'll not leave my soul in Hades, verse 27, place of torment, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Okay, so that that's verse 27. Now, go, go to verse 31. He, who is the he here? David. King David, in the Psalms, as I've already talked about, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. How much more clear do you want? Right there it is, verse Acts 2.31. He, okay, that's, that's, and again, we've got Peter speaking this. Luke's writing it, Peter's speaking it. Quoting David in the Psalms, who under under prophetic anointing was 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 speaking what Jesus would be 
would, would, would be saying, and all of that I've already said, repetition, seed of learning, he, foreseeing this, all right, now, 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 uh, spoke concerning what, what so what is this what is he speaking about here concerning the resurrection of the Christ of Jesus He's talking about the resurrection now that his soul was not left in Hades again that strong's number 86 which is always used as a place of torment nor did his flesh see corruption Jesus spirit went into the in into this place of torment now if you go to Romans 10, let's look at this a little further. Romans 10, verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Well, nobody argues with that. Heaven, bring Christ down from above. Nobody argues with that. But now watch this. Or who will descend into the deep? Now the King James says deep here, D-E-E-P. New King James translates it more accurately, the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Well, where was Jesus's spirit (laughs) and, and his soul, of course, where was he during the three days and three nights? He was in the inner workings of the earth, in the heart of the earth, in the spirit realm. We've already seen from the book of Acts, quoting the Psalms, that he was in this place of torment known as Hades, and now the, the, the Bible calls it the abyss. The abyss. That is Strong's number 12. Strong's number 12. It's, it's, King James translates it, the word deep, but uh, New King James, the abyss, that's where Jesus' spirit went. Strong's number 12. It, the definition on that, the bottomless pit, the infernal region, the same place where the demons didn't want to go in Luke the eighth chapter when Jesus cast them out of that 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 that, that man that had the legion. They went in. Remember before he cast them into those swine, the herd of swine. He was going to cast them into this place, and they did. The demons didn't want to go, so he let them go into the swine. That's in Luke eight. Same place where where the demons didn't want <laughs> didn't want to go. This is the same place the devil will be cast for a thousand years. And you can read Revelation 9 and Revelation chapter 11 to see just how terrible this, this pit, this place is. That's where Jesus' spirit went into the, into Hades, into hell, into the place of torment, into the abyss, actually into the worst regions of the doomed that exist. My, 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 my. I'm not apologizing for it. That's what the Bible says. That's where his spirit went. Okay? And uh, it's just, it's just, it's, that's where, okay, that's where spirit went. And uh, you need to realize that he went there. He went to the cross, not for himself, but for you and me. And his spirit went to this place, not for himself, but for you and me. He never sinned. He didn't deserve any of it. He did it for you and for me. I like what Daniel 9, 26 says says, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Boy, I like that. See, he was cut off. He went to the cross, and he went into this place known as hell, place of torment, not for himself, but he went there for you and for me. Can you say amen to that? I sure can. Now go to Psalm uh, uh, 
22. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, let me just say this. Psalm 22. If you uh, went to Psalm 22, and you ought to actually, you ought to go there. And you ought to read that sometime. Um, it gives us a picture of both the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. You ought, to, you ought to take some time and read that whole psalm. It gives us a picture of both the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Um, there's 31 verses there total. 21 verses, first 21 verses has to do with the crucifixion of Jesus. And in, the, in those 22 verses, you see, or in those 21 verses, 21 verses, first 21 verses, you see the physical side of what, of his suffering, what was going on in the, in the natural physical realm. And you can also see his suffering, what was going on in the, in the spiritual realm. Both realms are observed there. And then in verse 22, there's a change in tone and it changes from that of crucifixion to that of resurrection. And, uh, and you can read the rest of those verses. I know it starts out verse one, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, that was a crying, a cry that Jesus made from the cross or a statement he made from the cross. Remember that? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then, and then it, this, this psalm ends and you ought to read the, the end of this psalm, the last verse. You ought to read the last verse in the, in the amplified classic because it brings out what he said right there at the end of that psalm. He said, it is finished. So it's interesting, as you look at that psalm, I may say some more about it in just a moment, but it starts out with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he cries that from the cross, and then 21 verses of suffering and crucif uh, crucifixion suffering. You can see the crucifixion there. You can see a natural, physical side of his suffering, the spiritual side, as I said. But then in verse 22, there's a, there's a change in tone of that psalm to that uh, of what would be a uh, uh, suffering and pain to great victory and great rejoicing. And the rest of that Psalm from verse 22 on down is very, very victorious. And, and, and all of that, and it ends amplified classic. The last verse says it is finished. And uh, I'll say some more about it is finished, but you know, let me say something right now. A lot of people think that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that everything that he had to do in his redemptive work was finished right there. Well, for the sake of time here, hey, a lot was finished. A lot was finished. But if everything was finished, why did why did he have why did he have to be in the in, 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 why did he have to be dead for three days and three nights? Why couldn't why I mean why couldn't have you know God, if everything was finished right there in the redemptive plan, why couldn't God the Father, or why wouldn't God the Father had just, why didn't he just raise him up right, you know, you know, 20 seconds after he died? If everything was finished right there. No, a lot was finished. I could preach a messages on what was finished. One thing that was finished was, was the law. Glory to God and the veil of the temple was rent in two and all of that from top to bottom and, 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 and a lot of things finished. I could preach messages on it, but, but the whole redemptive work wasn't finished because he, he had to be, there was a suffering that had to take place. He suffered on the cross. 
I could preach messages on that. But he also, and have many times, but he also suffered in hell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Both places. On the cross and in hell. Both places. And, and that had to be so. And then after, we'll see in a moment, I'll read you a verse, when, 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 when the claims of a holy God were totally met, then he was raised from the dead on the real Super Sunday. I'm getting to that. Now, uh, so go to, go to uh, 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 let's see, let, let's look here. Well, let, let's go ahead here in Psalm 22, verse 1. It starts out with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so Jesus is crucified at 9 a.m., I believe on a Wednesday. At noon, darkness covers the land, which darkness in Scripture covering the land is typically a type of God's judgment. And we know he judged sin in Jesus, Jesus bearing our sins, all of our sins were laid upon him and all of that. And, it's, and, and so then at 3 p.m., Jesus makes the cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He yields up his spirit, as we read about earlier in this lesson. And we know now that Jesus' spirit went into Hades or hell or the abyss. And we also realize that his spirit was not left there. And I can say amen to that. So the events then of the real Super Sunday have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you look at Isaiah 53, verse 11, the Bible says that God the Father, Isaiah 53, verse 11, He, that's God the Father, shall see the travail of His soul and be satisfied. So there was, there was, there was a time after He had been in the inner workings of the earth, in the inner part there of the earth, in a place uh, known as Hades, place of torment, the abyss. There was a time in there after the, the three days and the three nights had expired that the Heavenly Father, according to Isaiah 53, 11, saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. You know, the Bible talks about the just for the unjust. Jesus was the just, we're the unjust, and he suffered for you and for me. And... Something else that, that I've written in my notes I, that, that I, that's interesting here. You know, he suffered there three days and three nights. But you and I were supposed to suffer for eternity because of our sin. But, but it's interesting, man, you and me, mankind, human beings, being temporal, we were to suffer eternally. Think of all oh, this good statement. We were to suffer eternally. But Jesus, the eternal one, came and suffered temporally, three days and three nights. And in that, somehow, the claims of a holy God were met. Boy, those are, those, those are, that's a powerful statement, don't you think? So it was the just for the unjust. Jesus, the just, we're the unjust. But, so he took our place. He substituted in for us. And all of our punishment was laid upon him. And again, mankind, think of it, we were supposed, we being temporal beings, were supposed to suffer for eternity in hell. But Jesus, the eternal, he came and suffered in hell temporal, temporally, three days and three nights. And in that, he satisfied, that satisfied the claims of a, of a holy God. And when God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied, and the claims of a holy God were met, 
because of Adam's high treason in the Garden of Eden and, and all of what Adam did and, and, and him and Eve and that passed, that sin nature passed down on all of us and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and, and we all deserved eternity in hell. But Jesus came and he bore our sins on the cross and he went into hell and suffered three days and three nights. And in all of that, what he did on the cross and his suffering in hell, all of it is a package. Don't separate them. Like I said, some people just want to preach the cross. Other people just want to preach the resurrection. We need them both. And through both of them, we needed the virgin birth. We needed the sinless life. We needed the death on the cross and the shedding of the blood. We needed the, the resurrection from the dead. We needed all of it. Glory to God. And it's a package deal. And he, he, he did that for us. And when, when the claims of a holy God were met, <laughs> glory to God, uh, then God, the Father, raised Jesus from the dead. Now, look at Acts 2.24. Look at Acts 2.24. Says this, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Now, now think about this. Jesus' body is in the tomb up on the earth. His spirit is in this place of suffering. And when the claims of a holy God had been satisfied, and, and he saw the travail of his soul, Jesus' soul, his spirit, and, 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 and that's no doubt talking about when he was in hell, and he saw that. And was satisfied, now God's going to raise him from the dead. Now, Acts 2.24, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death. Now, you have to understand, There's you see, people don't realize this as they should. There's spiritual death and there's physical death. See, spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from the life of God. Physical death is when your spirit is separated from your body. Now, now, now you need to understand that. You need to understand that. And physical death is when your is when your when your spirit separated from your body. That's physical death. But when spiritual death is when your spirit separated from God. And and this, see, look, when Jesus cried out, "My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" See, he he had been he had right then at that moment as as our representative there. See, he was. He was cut off from from he, he was cut off from the heavenly Father. Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. See, he was cut off. He was he was cut off, and, and, and he was cut off. Well, physically, yeah, but spiritually, this is the side people don't want to talk about. But as our representative, as as our substitute, he was cut off, but not for himself. He was cut off, and and he he, he died spiritually on that cross before he died physically. What does that mean? His spirit was cut off from, from the life of God. Absolutely. But not for himself. And then he died physically. And then when it was time to raise him from the dead, uh, right here it said, having loosed the pains of death. This has to be talking about spiritual death that, that he was loosed from because it couldn't be physical because once somebody dies physically, there's no more pain. You think about that. Once somebody dies physically, there is no more pain. Absolutely. So this has to be talking when, when Acts 2.24 said, God raised up, talking about God raising up Jesus, having loosed the pains of death, has to be from spiritual death. Because if it was physical death, when Jesus died on the cross, all the pain stopped in his body physically. 
So why would he have to be loosed from, from, from that? It, it, there, there would be no pain. But this, this is talking about, uh, uh, you know, he's suffering in hell and there, there was pains of death. Oh my gosh, a place of torment, a place of suffering. But when that time, that three days and three nights had elapsed and elapsed and, and, and God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied, then he raised Jesus up, lose, having loosed the pains of death, has to be spiritual. Again, physical death, there'd have been no pain to loose him from. Right? Not talking about the physical side, talking about the spiritual side to bring him up out of that pit. And Hebrews, Hebrews 2 verse 9 says, now listen to this, Jesus tasted death for every person. Now this has to be spiritual death that he tasted for every person because Hebrews 9 27 says it's appointed unto man once to die. So Jesus did die physically, but you and I have to taste that, right? We have to taste physical death unless the rapture takes place in our lifetime. But but barring that, we all have to taste physical death where our spirit leaves our body and our body dies. But Jesus, thank God, the Bible says, Hebrews 2, 9, that he tasted death for every person. That's talking about spiritual death. That's talking about, about going to hell. He tasted that for us. Glory to God so we don't have to. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. Glory to God. See, people, people, again, people just are so natural. They think about the natural side, natural side, natural side, natural side. We got to think about the spiritual side of things. Do you ever think about Ephesians? Let me just throw this in. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, that verse there... See, when you start talking about death, people always think in the physical side. But when it says there in Ephesians 2, 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, what does that mean? We were cut off from the life of God, dead in our, dead, spiritually dead, cut off from the life of God in our trespasses and sins. But when we repent and place our faith in Jesus, see, then we're born again and we're hooked back up with the life of God. And I just threw Ephesians 2, 1 in there to get you to think about the spiritual side. See, again, so many people just think it in the natural side. At Easter time, the only side that typically ever gets preached from pulpits is the natural stuff that went on through the death, burial, and resurrection. We need to talk also about the spiritual side of it to really understand the fullness of what happened. Glory to God. And also, I'll just throw this in. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam, when God said of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll not, have eat, you'll not eat of it. For in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Go read that sometime and look that up in the Hebrew. What he actually told him is, is he said, if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. But actually what he said in the Hebrew, study it out, in dying, you will die. He talked about a plurality of deaths. <laughs> you get into it. Adam did eat of that. Him and Eve. Eve ate. The serpent tempted her and she ate. And then she gave to her husband right there with her. He ate. And they did die. That day they died spiritually. And it took, you know, hundreds of years for, for, the, for them to die physically. Two deaths. See, a spiritual death, a separation from the life of God. And then ultimately then a physical death where their spirit left their body. And also, too, while we're on it, if you go to Isaiah 53, verse 9, Isaiah 53, verse 9, the Bible talks about Jesus suffering. Now, if you read it, 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 it in the English, you, you got to go into the Hebrew and study. This is Isaiah 53, 9. Jesus suffered deaths, plural. It's an intensive plural on the cross. 
He first died spiritually. That's when he was cut off, but not for himself. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's cut off from the life of God for you and for me. And then sometime after that, just briefly, short time after that, that's when he yields up his spirit. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's when he died physically. See, there was a spiritual death that took place. And read it sometime, Isaiah 53, 9. Jesus suffered deaths. Plural on the cross. Nobody argues with the physical, but there was a spiritual side of it too. In Isaiah 53, 9, it's an intensive plural in the Hebrew. And the way that's explained is he died first spiritually. He was cut off from the life of God for you and for me, not for himself. And then, and then he died spiritually. And then he died physically. His spirit left his body and went into this place known as, as hell. And while I'm on it, I'll just, just keep going here. <laughs> If you if you went to Leviticus 16 and you studied the Day of Atonement, there were two male goats. There are two male goats on the Day of Atonement. One shows the physical side of what Jesus did as a type of, and the other is a type of the spiritual side. One a type of the physical side, the other type of the spiritual side. The uh, physical aspect, the sin offering, the sin offering was a goat that that was slaughtered and the blood was presented on the mercy seat that was known as the uh, the sin offering but then there was another goat and, and that sin offering shows the physical side was slaughtered blood presented on the mercy seat inside the temple but the spiritual aspect of uh, of the day of atonement was a scapegoat the scapegoat and uh, that scapegoat was kept alive and and the sins of the people were laid on it by the high priest would, the, the priest would, high priest would lay his hands on the head of that goat and confess over it, the sins, you know, the people and whatnot. And then that goat was sent alive into the wilderness, into a desolate place. And if you think about it, the physical, that, that physical, that sin offering represented the, the, the natural side of what Jesus did on the cross and the slaughtering of his body and the shedding of his blood and, and all of that. We'll see in a moment, Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, took his blood into the heavenly holies of holies and presented it on the heavenly mercy seat. We'll get to that in a moment. But then there was, so that was the physical side of what Jesus did. But then the, the scapegoat shows the spiritual aspect of how his spirit, uh, you know, left his body. His body's dead in the tomb. That's, that's the sin offering, uh, uh, goat you know if you will but then that scapegoat represents his spirit as his spirit left his body and and went in this this scapegoat went was the sins were laid upon it it was sent out into a desolate place well that's where jesus see he went into hell and he suffered his spirit did my 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 and then if that's not enough for you second corinthians five twenty one, the bible says jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him but jesus was made sin now, a lot of arguments on this verse, but study into it and you'll see it says he was made sin. There's two aspects of it. The first aspect is Jesus was a sin offering. Absolutely. And you see that with that sin offering, that male goat that we just talked about. Jesus on the cross, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's, he's the sin offering. But also, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. But also on the cross, you have to remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, John the third chapter. And so there, there, there's, there's the, the spiritual side of it where the sins of mankind were laid upon Jesus. 
Okay, and, 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 and he actually became sin. And in Galatians 3.13 said he was made a curse for us. So you see, you have the whole package there on the cross. You've got the physical aspect. You've got the, 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 the sin offering where Jesus hangs as the Lamb of God, shedding his blood, which will be presented on the mercy seat. And, and, and that's, the, that's the physical side of it and, 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 and all of that. And he became, again, as 2 Corinthians 5.21, he became sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That word sin, it, 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 the, the natural side of it has to do with a sin offering. He was a sin offering and, and he shed his blood. He was slaughtered. His body was slaughtered. He shed his blood. It was presented on the mercy seat, as we'll see. And, and But then there's the spiritual side of it, the scapegoat side of it, where 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 the, the 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 sins were laid upon him so a sin offering again the physical aspect the the uh uh the, the sin offering goat uh, uh i want i want to be sure you get this this straight i want to get it right for you here so so he's up there on the cross there's the the, the physical side of it he was made let me start over here i'm going to get it right second corinthians 5 21 he, he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. So, so in that word sin, there's two aspects. There's the physical side and the spiritual side. The physical side is his body is slaughtered. He's the sin offering. He sheds his blood that's presented on the mercy seat. You see that in Leviticus 16, a type of that. And then the spiritual aspect is the scapegoat, which, which talks about the spiritual side where, where, his, his his spirit leaves his body and goes into hell and suffers there. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it again because I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. We'll go go again. Second Corinthians five twenty one. All right, Jesus was made to be sin for us who knew no sin. All right, what does that mean? There's two aspects of it. There's the the, the natural side where he is a sin offering. Okay, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and his body is, is, is slaughtered and his blood is shed and, and, and is presented on the mercy seat. That's a physical side. The spiritual side of it has to do with the scapegoat where his, the scapegoat was kept alive. His spirit left his body, went into a place of suffering known as hell or the abyss or the bottomless pit where he suffers there for three days and three nights. And Galatians 3.13 is a good backup verse for this because you see, uh, uh, he was made a curse for us. And, and Jesus himself said that, that in John 3, that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that serpent has to do with sin. So there's, there's a two aspects of this, and it's so clearly brought out in Leviticus 16. But what I'm trying to say in a nutshell, there was a physical side of what Jesus did, and there was a spiritual side. The spiritual side seldom gets talked about and then go to acts 2 here you're in acts 2 24 look at look at the second part of verse 24 because now it said here in the first part whom god raised up talking about raising jesus from the dead having loosed the pains of death that has to do from spiritual death because it was not possible that he should be held by it now the reason that hell couldn't hold jesus the reason that hell couldn't hold Jesus is that he himself knew no sin. He knew no sin. He never sinned. Oh, this is, this is priceless. This is just, I mean, and, and in 1 Corinthians 2.8 says this, Had the princes of this world known, the devil, demons, fallen angels, had they known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. There's no question 
in my mind that when, when the devil had Jesus on the cross and then had him in hell, he thought he had him. He thought he had him. And had he known, the Bible said he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because we're going to see Jesus dealt the devil and the kingdom of darkness a, a, a blow when he was raised from the dead that they'll never recover from. <laughs> but the thing of it is, see, the reason that Jesus could not be held by hell is because Jesus himself never committed a sin. And, and we could talk for hours about how, 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 what a genius plan God had from the foundation of the world. And, 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 and there's no doubt that the devil thought that he had Jesus for eternity and that all mankind would be lost for eternity. But you see, Jesus, he was there on behalf of you and me because of our sins, but he couldn't be held there because he himself legally had never committed a sin. And when he was there on our behalf and he paid the price, ultimately there in the pit of hell, glory to God, he himself could leave that place legally. You'd be surprised how much of the spirit realm, there's, there's legal stuff going on that we don't even realize. We ought to realize it because it's in the word of God. But he could walk legally, walk out of hell, glory to God, because he himself never sinned, not one time. Now look at Acts 13, verse 33. Look at Acts 13, verse 33. The apostle Paul is speaking and he says this, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. You ought to underline that word begotten. Verse 34, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. Oh man, these are such powerful things and seldom do they ever get talked about. Underline the word begotten and underline no more to return to corruption. Powerful verses in the Bible, powerful phrases. God has fulfilled this for us. Verse Acts 13, 33, that in that he raised, in that he has raised, God the Father raised up Jesus, as it's written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you, underline that word begotten, and he has raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, underline that. Now, the word begotten here, that we'll look it up in, get a Strong's Concordance and look it up, that word means to regenerate. To regenerate, it's, it's the same word that's used in the Bible in the New Testament for the new birth. To regenerate. It's not the begotten of John 3.16. John 3.16, that word in the Greek, begotten, means the unique or only one of its kind. The, it, means, it means virgin born. That's what that begotten word begotten in John 3.16 means. But this word here is not that word. It's a different word. Look it up in the Strong's Concordance. It's very easy to do. The word that's used here for when Jesus is raised from the dead didn't have to do with his birth in Bethlehem. Had to do with his being raised from spiritual death. Glory to God. You see the earmarks of Christianity Making Christianity different from all other religions is, 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 yes, the virgin birth. Yes, the crucifixion and the shedding of blood of a sinless man, Jesus Christ, and the resurrection from the dead, from both deaths, the spiritual death and the physical death. 
Think about that. Think about that. Uh, Jesus, the Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the first born again man. The Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren. He was the first to be regenerated from spiritual separation from God. Now, I'm not going to apologize for saying that because that's what the Bible teaches. And it happened in the pit of hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Glory to God. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Look that up. You can find that in your Bible. Look it up. He was the first to be raised from spiritual death. Now, you think about it. Think about this sometime. All through the Bible, you had other people that were raised from physical death, right? You see that in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. You see it in the ministry of Jesus. You see Peter raising somebody from the dead. You see people that got raised from physical death. But guess what? They all eventually died again physically. Their body, they returned to corruption. But Jesus is the first Man, first human, he was 100% God, yes, but he's doing all this not as God, but as a man. And he was the first man to be raised from spiritual death, right in the pit of hell. And then, as we'll see, he was raised from physical death, never again, no more to return to corruption, never to die again. Glory to God, the first one to ever do that. Think about that because others had been raised, as I said, from physical death, but they died again. You see that in the Bible. Think about the Jairus' daughter. Jesus raised her from the dead, but she, you know, later on down the road somewhere, she died. Right? Lazarus, Jesus raised him from the dead, but later, later on, he died, right? Again, I mean, right? But Jesus, the reason that Jesus will never die, die again, is because he was raised... See, what's the difference between Jesus and, and Lazarus and the, and the girl, the, the, Jairus' daughter and others, the little boy in Nain, that he, the young man in Nain that he rose from the dead? What's the difference between Jesus and those people? Is that Jesus was raised from spiritual death. Huh? He was the first begotten, the Bible says. From the dead, first born from the dead, his spirit was hooked back up, talking as a human being. He was hooked back up with the life of God. Glory to God. And then he was raised from physical death, as we'll see, never to die again. And I mean, I, I could just be, I'm just shouting, I'm shouting on the inside. Glory to God. This is shouting material right here. This is shouting material. Praise God forevermore. And if, if we had more time, we could, we could go into the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, and you could actually see the words that God used on the real super Sunday to raise Jesus from the dead. He said, you ought to look at it, Hebrews 1, you're my son, today I've begotten you. And again, that word begotten is not the begotten of John 3, 16. It has to do with, with re I've regenerated you. Glory to God. I've raised you from spiritual death. I'll be to him a father. He'll be to me a son. Let all the angels of God worship him. Your throne, O oh God, is forever. Glory to God. I mean, he goes on and on here. He says, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And God, the Father, in those and through those words, the Holy Ghost went into operation. And the Bible says that, 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 that Jesus was raised from spiritual death. 
right up out of the pit of hell. Glory to God. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 20. Ephesians 1, verse 20 says, which God the Father worked, which he, God the Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power. That's talking above demonic power and might and dominion in every name that's named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Put all things under his feet and made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Glory to God. That's what happened on the real Super Sunday is, is Jesus was raised, his spirit was raised up out of the pit of hell and uh, uh, glory to God uh, far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Praise God. Look, if that's not enough, look at Colossians 2.15. Gives you a little more on this. Having spoiled principalities and powers. This is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And that word spoiled means disarmed. It means to be brought to naught. That's what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. When you put Ephesians 1 together with this verse here, you see that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he disarmed principalities and powers. It means to be brought to naught. It also, that word spoil means stripped. He stripped the devil. Glory to God. He stripped the devil. See, Adam in the Garden of Eden gave the devil authority and whatnot and all kinds of power but praise God forevermore when Jesus was raised from the dead the Bible just said said it here he stripped the devil he stripped him I like what one lady in, in, in I heard her say this when I was in Bible school she's a wonderful lady when the teacher was teaching along these lines and she said yeah Jesus talking about the devil she said of Jesus she said yeah Jesus stripped that buzzard glory to God he did the devil stripped that buzzard the devil Jesus stripped that buzzard the devil of all the power that he that he took that he got from Adam Jesus stripped that buzzard can you say amen Jesus stripped the devil he spoiled him he disarmed him he brought him to naught. Uh, the devil, fallen angels, demonic power. Jesus stripped them. Glory to God. Praise God when he was raised from the dead. Praise God. And if you, oh boy, I, I get it. It says that he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Well, what is the it there? His complete redemptive work. Glory to God. His, his, through his virgin birth, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection. And when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 here specifically that he stripped the devil. Glory to God. He, he, oh my gosh. Can you say amen? Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Look at Revelation 118. I, he said to John later on on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I'm he that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. And that word hell there, that's Strong's 86. That's where Jesus was suffering. And when he was raised from the dead, praise God, he stripped the devil of all that powers we've been talking about. And he went, I don't know how it all worked, but he took the keys of hell and of death and I'll assure you the devil didn't want to hand them over but Jesus stripped them of his power and he took the keys of hell and of death away from the devil can you say amen praise God forevermore glory to God now I'm going to go a little long I, I don't care pause me and look at it and listen to me later if it gets too long for you but notice notice right here now back to Psalm 22 go back there 
says, verse 22, I'll declare your name. Now, this is where the psalm changes from that of crucifixion to that of resurrection. I'll declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I'll praise you. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. There's no question in my mind that what happened at this point is Jesus was in hell suffering. We're talking the events of the morning, morning of the, the real Super Sunday when God's word went into operation and, and he saw the travail of Jesus' soul was satisfied. He spoke those words out of Hebrews that I just read to you and the power of the Spirit of God went into operation and, and the power of God hit Jesus in the pit of hell, raised him from spiritual death. He went over, blessed God to wherever the devil was. He took the keys of hell and death away from him. Praise God. And then he walked because he'd never sinned himself. He walked out through the gates of hell, something that had never happened before. And then I'm, I'm, I can't show you scripture for this part of it, but I'm convinced he walked across that great gulf where nobody else was able to walk across. And he went over into Abraham's bosom, also known as paradise. And they had a praise and worship service. Can you say amen? And you got to remember that you could see from uh, Luke 16, you could see from one side to the other. So the people who had been over there, those Old Testament saints who had been over there in Abraham's bosom or paradise, they were, I'm convinced they were able to look over and see this, this stuff that was going on. And they got to see, no doubt, Jesus stripped the devil and walked right out of hell, right out of the gates of hell and came over into that place of, of comfort over into Abraham's bosom or paradise. And they had a worship service. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Praise God. And now, and now, and, and somewhere in there, somewhere in there, Jesus did go and preach to the spirits who were in prison. Those are fallen angels. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. Somewhere in there, he went and preached and made a proclamation to them. But now he's over in, in paradise or Abraham's bosom. And now he's with that thief who he told him on the cross, I'll be with you in paradise. When he told him that he wasn't talking about that specific day, he said, today I'm saying to you, you'll be with me in paradise. And now they are. Glory to God. Three days later, they are in paradise. Praise God. And you read on down in, in Psalm 22, all the way down into verse 31 and ultimately that psalm ends with it is finished praise God see so many people want to say that everything was finished on the cross I already talked about that but I'll repeat it repetitions a seed of learning in the context of this psalm of this psalm the way this is put together and presented you could preach whole message on it is finished Rick Renner preached one of the greatest messages on what that all means. It is finished. You ought to listen to that message sometime. It, it, there's so much in there in that it is finished. But, but as it pertains to this message, the it is finished has to do with, yes, what Jesus did on the cross, but, but in the context of this psalm is after he was raised from the dead, glory to God, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Mission accomplished. Paid in full. Glory to God. And, 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 and also it is finished. You can see, I'll just throw this in. When Jesus is raised from the dead, the real super Sunday, there, there's a splitting in time. There's a splitting in time, but think about that. BC and AD, before Christ and after death, splitting in time. Just like on the Super Bowl, there's a split right in the middle between the two halves, you know, the first half and the second half. Well, Jesus' resurrection, death on the cross and resurrection was so powerful. It split time, glory to God. And we know time now is BC and AD. Can you say amen? Glory, 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 glory to God. And then after they had that worship service there in paradise or Abraham's bosom, Jesus just shut down that 
place down. Now, the torment side of Hades is still up and running. That, that Hades, hell, it's still there today. If you die without Jesus today, that's where you'll go. That's where your spirit will go. Your body will stay on the earth, but your spirit will go there. But this place of comfort, this Abraham's bosom paradise, Jesus shut it down. He took, look at, look at Ephesians 4 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. See, those people there were in, in a captivity, even though it was a place of, uh, of comfort, they, they were held captive there. But Jesus led them out of that place and he relocated Abraham's bosom or paradise now up. Glory to God up into heaven. Praise God. Took all those Old Testament saints, those spirits of all those saints. He took with him up and see now up in heaven. Glory to God. And when a Christian dies here on this side of the cross, we go up. Praise God into heaven. Oh my gosh, this is powerful. And then let's look, let's look at now. Let's talk. So, but, 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 all right, now we got to get the, we're going to close here with the physical side of things. Go to Matthew 28, verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake. All right, now Jesus' spirit has, has been resurrected. He's been raised from spiritual death. He's had that worship service, and now they're headed up. He's headed up. He's coming up. Glory to God. Uh, up out of that, that place where he'd had that worship service with the Old Testament saints, and now moving them up to heaven but on the way glory to God he's going to stop off and pick up his body praise God Matthew 28 behold there was a great earthquake now back up on the earth where his flesh is resting in hope inside that tomb and behold there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it glory to God and uh and then verse 3 says, his countenance was like lightning. Now, a lot of people think that's the angel. I think the Bible is talking about Jesus when he, this is, he's talking about Jesus. This Bible, Matthew's talking about Jesus when he walks out, Matthew 28, 3. This is Jesus coming out of that tomb. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. His guards shook for fear of him. The guards, the guards, the guards, the guards that they had positioned there to keep the disciples or anybody else from coming, taking the body. I'm not saying the disciples would have done that but I'm just saying that guard was there and Jesus comes out of now it could have been the angel whose countenance was like lightning I think it was Jesus because the angel rolls away the stone takes up the best seat in the house and and, and Jesus spirit comes up out of out it comes up out of out of that place of, of, of Abraham's bosom where we just told you he was his spirit comes up in his body his the power of God hits his body that had been laying there dead for three days and three nights his spirit comes back into his body and I personally believe that power was so strong that it just etched his image on that shroud of Turin. Glory to God. I had a guy in my church that, that, that was an expert on that. And I'm thoroughly convinced that that is an authentic garment. Whether it is or isn't, he, Jesus was still raised from the dead. But I believe it's an authentic garment. And I believe that, that the power of, of the resurrection etched Jesus' image on that, on that cloth. And glory to God. He, 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 the angel rolls away to stone and out comes Jesus, his countenance like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guards there shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And on down in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, this is a little later on. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Praise God. Yeah, he stripped the devil and got the keys of hell and of death, all power in heaven and in earth. He got it. Glory to God. And then he turned to his disciples eventually and gave it to them. They were a representative group of you and me. And we've got the power that Jesus gave us in his name. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And then... 
At some point in there, as I noted earlier, Mary shows up there at the tomb and she wants, she's going to, you know, touch him, no doubt, and, and maybe fall at his feet and put her, probably put her hands around his feet and all that. And he said, touch me not. He said, I've not yet ascended into, into the, in, in, we talked about that earlier. He hadn't gone up yet. Now he's going to go up to the heavenly father. And he's going to go into the heavenly holy of holies. Look at Hebrews 9, 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place. This is in heaven once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Glory to God forevermore. And if you study the day of atonement, we talked about it earlier with those two goats. It is finished was proclaimed on the day of atonement by the high priest immediately after placing the blood of the sin offering that goat on the mercy seat. So Jesus, a lot of see this doesn't get preached a lot, but it should because it's in the Bible, Hebrews 9, 12. After he was raised from physical death, he went up into heaven and he presented his blood on that heavenly mercy seat, obtaining eternal redemption for you and for me. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And that's the events of the real Super Bowl, the real Super Bowl, the real Super Sunday. That was that was a Super Bowl. All right. The real Super Sunday. Glory to God. Glory to God. And Jesus won for us. He won the Super Bowl. He won more than the Super Bowl. Glory to God. Let me read this. Jesus, through his virgin birth, sinless life spiritual death, physical death, precious shed blood, burial and resurrection, the spiritual and the physical, purchased our eternal salvation, our victory over death, hell and the grave. He also obtained our physical healing, mental soundness, right to provision and authority over devil and demons. Can you say amen? That's a whole lot better than having that trophy they're going to get, you know, at the Super Bowl. I'm going to say that again. Jesus, through his virgin birth, Sinless life, death, deaths, spiritual and physical. Precious shed blood through his burial and resurrection, the spiritual and physical, purchased our eternal salvation, our eternal redemption, our victory over death, hell, and the grave. He also obtained our physical healing, our mental soundness, right to provision and authority over the devil and demons, glory to over sickness, disease. Can you say amen? Praise God. All that took place through his death barrel, and then through that resurrection. Glory to God. And then Matthew 27, verse 52 said, now listen to this. You know they're going to have a parade in whatever town or whatever city wins the Super Bowl. Well, look on a real Super Sunday. There was a parade going on. Watch this. Matthew 27, verse 52, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep or who had died, these are Old Testament saints, were raised. Their bodies were raised. Jesus came out of the tomb, but there were other... See, this doesn't get talked about a lot. It's right in the Bible, Matthew 27, verse 52, that when Jesus got raised from the dead, now he took all the spirits of all the New Testament saints in in Abraham's bosom or paradise, relocated that place up to heaven. Jesus came out of the tomb, but, but there were some other Old Testament saints that got raised... From physical death at this time, Matthew 27 verse 52 says, And the graves were opened and many, not all, but many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who had already died, were raised and coming out of the grave after his re- after Jesus' resurrection. See, that's when this took place. They went into the holy city. They went into, into Jerusalem 
And what they had, they had a, I think they had a parade and they appeared. That means they shined forth. They gave testimony to many. Glory to God. Somebody asked me one time, one time, they said, what do you think their testimony was? Well, they just saw Jesus raised from the dead. I think they went in there and they preached the power of the resurrection. Glory to God. But they had a parade on, see, the real Super Sunday also had a parade. Boy, I, you know, I ought to write a book, but this, this, this is, this is powerful. This is powerful. Aren't you glad that Jesus did what he did for us? Glory to God. He did all this. He didn't have to do any of it, but he did it all because he loves you and he loves me and he did it for us. Glory to God. He was cut off, but not for himself. Glory to God. And so the real Super Sunday happened some 2,000 years ago. And I tell you what, glory to God. There's never been anything like it. Praise God, nor will there be. I mean, just Jesus being raised from the dead after dying on the cross. If you're out there today and you've never you've never received Jesus as your savior, you've never had resurrection power hit your hit your spirit. You've never been washed in the blood of Jesus. You need to do that right now. There's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. Now listen to this. If you don't receive Jesus, oh this is powerful here. If you don't receive Jesus as your savior, guess what? When you die, You've got to go to hell. But here's the thing. Jesus already died on the cross and he already went to hell and he already did your time for you. Think about it. When people die without Jesus, where do they go? They go to hell if they die without Jesus. But Jesus did your time for you in the three days and three nights. So you see, if you die without Jesus, you've got to go do the time for yourself for all eternity. But in those three days and three nights, the eternal Jesus, he, he paid that penalty in that three days and three nights. So you don't, I don't know how else I can say this. If you die without Jesus, you got to go do your own time. But Jesus went and did the time for you and for me. And all we got to do is receive Jesus. And when we receive Jesus and the heavenly accounts, it's accredited to us as though we did that time, and we don't have to do it, glory to God. He did it for us. So you need to receive him. He did the, He did your time on the cross. He did your time in hell. So you don't have to do it. You receive him, and it's all accredited to your account. Stupidest, dumbest thing anybody ever did is go to hell. So you repent of your sins. You receive Jesus as your Savior, and you don't ever have to. He tasted death for you. You don't ever have to go to hell because you receive him. He did your time for you there in hell. You receive him, and you get to be saved. And when you die, you get to go to heaven. Cry out to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, come into my life. If you do it with a repentant heart, and you mean it. He'll come in there. Glory to God. And you'll be written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll miss hell one day. You'll go to heaven, and he'll make your life worth living. In the meantime, now enjoy the resurrection power of Jesus in your life. Praise God. Well, glory to God. I'm going to stop here because I could preach on this forever. Hey, enjoy the Super Bowl. I hope the Chiefs win, but whether they do or not, hey, here's the deal. Jesus won. He won, and that's what really matters. God bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to, go, I'm going to go cool down and calm down here. I can just keep preaching. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.